Welcome to the Fitzy Talk Podcast. Yes, welcome. Welcome. You are listening to a guest episode during which we are joined by wonderful people from the performing arts industry. And we discuss the realities of that industry with them because they are fit to talk about them. Exactly that. And if you like what we do, then please leave us a review or on Spotify, click that follow button. Exactly. And also, if you like our meaningful, helpful and accurate information, then perhaps Fit to Perform coaching is for you. Absolutely. And you can find out more information about Fit to Perform over on our website, fit-2.co.uk, or drop us a DM on Instagram. Yes, moving on. We have an incredible guest for you today. Why, yes, we do. Well, let me tell you about today's guest. So today's guest was a junior associate at the Royal Ballet School. Uh, She then went on to train at Elmhurst, another fantastic ballet school. And then she went on to Rombert. So her training has been... Mwah! Chef's kiss. Love that training. Um, and she's currently on tour with Matthew Bourne's New Adventures in their production of Romeo and Juliet. She's also appeared for them in the Nutcracker and also in the Carmen at the Royal Albert Hall. What a banging venue. Mm. Fantastic work. She's also worked with the CTC Dance Company, a company we know very well yes. uh, from previous guests. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a fantastic chat. She is what an incredible career to have had at such a young age. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Uh, I know her from ICMT because she teaches at a whole bunch of colleges and stuff. Mm. And uh, the, all the students love her too because she's so clear and and kind. And you can sort of hear that from the chat as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but what a, an interesting chat about a world that I've never had a foot in. Absolutely. Like a really, really fascinating insight to the kind of the training that goes into being part of the ballet community and um yeah just a really like I, I loved one thing i really loved about kind of the conversation is how she views stuff outside the industry yeah how important stuff outside the industry like she speaks a lot about how she enjoys all things kind of musical yeah like she enjoys piano and a bunch of different instruments and i think that's such an important thing to take away from this episode i think she speaks very eloquently about those things. Yeah. And I think um, there's a lot of value to be had in that. Talented human. Yes. Please enjoy the wonderful Gabriele D'Souza. It's <laughs> this podcast is uh, uh, usually a sort of what we might think of as a rambling mess, but there is a structure. Yeah, there is. There's a loose structure, but we like to go on tangents. So I tangents are good. Tangents. Yes, love tangents. Happy days. <laughs> so whatever that is, we'll go down that rabbit yeah. hole. And Bring the other one, a tangent. It, yeah, you can swear. That's completely fine. It's uh, <laughs> as a, the rating is explicit. Yeah, I oh. love that it's explicit. <laughs> Makes us sound so hardcore. And the other <laughs> the request that we have for you at some point during this recording is. Sorry, has it started? Yes. Well, oh. yes. <laughs> but, but if you go, I want to say something offensive, we can cut it. Um, okay. So, yeah, we can edit anything out if you're okay. like, yeah, guys, I don't, I just cut that. Um, okay. uh, is, would you be willing to tell us a lie at some point during this recording? Uh, I will try. Fantastic. Two truths and one lie is like my worst nightmare. Oh, I love okay. icebreakers. Okay. But that one is like... <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> okay, so this is different to two truths, one lie. Because obviously, you only have to just, just try and slip one in. So just one, one sneaky little lie. Just if anything, I think it's there. more difficult. It's more difficult because you then spend the whole time thinking when you're going to lie. Yeah, but I what's icebreakers? Right. Ice, icebreakers just like games and things. Oh, and that's okay. like, like I thought that was a game. And tell yourself, <laughs> I was it's, all in. It's, <laughs> the, it's the umbrella term. Okay, <laughs> that is an icebreaker. <laughs> I'm like, maybe we do two truths one lie to start us off. 
Her what? As a change? As a oh, change goodness. up? Not permanent. Not but, permanent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm... She did say it would be her nightmare. So oh, no. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's lean in. How comfortable would you be attempting two truths one lie? Um, <laughs> I just truly can't come up with anything. Fantastic. We'll, we'll, st- we'll stick with our normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Then we do that. Yes. Uh, so you had a nightmare coming here? Uh, no. <laughs> Just the lie part. I, I don't. I can't oh no, lie. no! I mean, I mean the, oh, the, the travel. travel <laughs> <laughs> I said it was a nightmare with two truths and one lie. I, yeah. I thought we were still on that. Like, no. We're on a different tangent now. Yes, um, <laughs> we've already branched off. It's all yes, good. Uh, London travel, the joys. <laughs> it's not fun. No, London was annoying me today, like okay. on, in every sense. I got I got so annoyed when I had to buy a coffee earlier. Why? Just because it was so expensive. Mm. What? As I went to that, um, I won't say the name because I don't want to annoy them on a podcast, <laughs> but we've been there before and it was £3.80. And I'm like, when we're getting close to £4. Have we been there like once? Yes, we and have been I there once exactly recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, wow. I was like, that it just really like wound me up. I was like, it hits you all over again, doesn't it? It does. like, £3.80 again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? How? Like, it's because I've been away from London for a week. Right. Because I've had a week away and I've come back and now I'm just stressed about life. <laughs> stressed about coffee. <laughs> I mean, Particularly it, coffee. There's worse things to be stressed about. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But coffee, <laughs> I don't need to be stressed about coffee. <laughs> do, you, do you partake in a decent coffee? I don't like coffee. I, you've told me this before. Do you yeah. like any hot drinks? I like herbal teas, which makes okay. me sound really <laughs> What's the fussy. end of that sentence? I was going to say. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what it means. What type of herbal tea, though? Um, my go-to is a peppermint. Okay. Oh, Solid choice. choice. You yeah. can do that in the morning. You can do it in the evening, before food, after food. Um, also like a green tea. I like the fruity combinations. But yeah, I don't like normal tea either, black tea. I love the smell of coffee, but I Just can't, not, can't. can't drink it. See, <laughs> herbal tea. When you get to the fruit teas, though, do they mm. not just smell way better than they taste? Yes, <laughs> but they still taste nice. Yeah, okay. and the smell is part of it. It's part yes, of the experience. Part of the experience. It is. It, it's a misleading part of the experience, <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll accept it. <laughs> it's like, it is misleading. It's like imagine how good this is going to be, and I'm yeah. like, oh. Also, the names you always go, oh yeah, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, just another fruity. Yeah, it just tastes taste the fruity. same as all of the others. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of vaguely fruity water. This. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it so we'll go right back to the beginning in fact just before sure. I imagine we'll have, we were having a chat as we started this about your name because I was saying yes. I've never had to say your full name before uh, yeah not many people do <laughs> why, why would they like, it would be quite odd to refer to you by full name at all my times name, yes. right? and uh, you were saying that it's Brazilian yes so it's Gabrielli Gabrielli yes I'm all in on this because I'm going to have to attempt to say your full name at the end of this ah. podcast. So I'm prepping in advance. Yeah, no pressure. At the end, not the start. <laughs> oh, no, we'll do. So, yes, we've already introduced people to you before this. Oh, I this. see, I see. Yeah, he's already said your name. And you will as well. No, I don't. You don't do it anymore? No, you know, I don't ever do it. Oh, wow. You, or you were the only one who does it. It's only one role. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm invested. Where did you grow up? I grew up in London, southeast London, um, but I moved away from home at 11 to go to boarding school. Yes, a (laughs) a pretty well-known boarding school. Yes, Elmhurst. Um, It was from year seven to 11, so moving away from 11, people think I I was crazy or must have really hated it, but actually I think my mum sort of missed me more than I missed home at the start, (laughs) as in I still missed it, but I wasn't Mm. sad to be moving away 
and constantly crying because I wanted to go back. There were a lot of people that were super homesick. And I, strangely enough, got more homesick as I got older. And I think it's because the relationship with my mum sort of changed. And, you know, you grow mm. up and you get a different kind of understanding of each other. And, yeah, I got more homesick by the time I was 18 than when I was when I was 11. Wow. <laughs> strangely enough. That's so strange. Like, Because mm. I've never boarded uh, or right. anything at that age. Did you? I didn't. I went to a school that was a boarding school, but I went as a day pupil, um, which was a strange that. experience being like yes. a rogue day pupil. <laughs> like, hey guys, I'm off, I'm off yeah. home. Everyone's, did you yeah. have day pupils there? We did. And because I went to two different boarding schools and in the second boarding school, which wasn't a dance school, it was called Wellington. And it was just in Archer, Wellington. tiny little. Oh, I know. I know. Some of my friends went to Wellington. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. I, I, might like, know them I, like, I know that name, Wellington. I was like, oh, yeah, Gil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my uncle Gil. But, no, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a bit more of a thing about day pupils there. It's like, oh, but you don't even go here. You know, the classic taking the mick out of people just because they don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stay overnight. Um, yeah, that's yeah. great. So what was that like then? You went straight to Elmhurst, which is pretty performance heavy. Um, no, actually, I did more performing at Wellington than I did wow. at Elmhurst. Elmhurst oh. was just... Train, 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 <laughs> practice, practice. And especially in the first, I want to say three years, it was only really the summer show that we had. So between, and we had the choreographic competition in the middle of the year. Um, but apart from that, we didn't really perform very much. And then I went to Wellington and suddenly there were all of these other experiences and opportunities to perform. I had, I did the musicals, um, which I'd never done before. I started singing when I was there. So I was doing that side of performing as well. We had house singing competition, house drama competition, house dance competition. So all of these small things along the year, I was performing way more there than I was at a school for performing arts. Yeah. But it was because of the nature of the course and how it's set yeah. up. You know, you, you do spend most of your time training. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so good. So I guess to jump back, like mm. what made you go, oh, I want to go somewhere where this is what I spend most of my yeah. time doing. Um. Well, so I put in my bio that I went to Royal Ballet School JAs. That's not something I normally do <laughs> when I'm applying for jobs, but I thought it'd be interesting because of, you know, got a bit more time to talk about it. And actually, I think that going to those Saturday classes is what really opened my eyes and made me think, oh, yeah, this is something I'd love to do. Because I don't know how on earth at 10 years old I was able to stay in a class for two and a half hours and my attention span was that long, maybe because it was pre-TikTok and yeah. <laughs> <Smartphones>. <laughs> so I actually had an attention span junior associates right? junior associates yeah so you can start that or at least I did um from year four so I don't know age seven or eight or something so very wow. young mm. um yeah Saturday classes and I did that year four to year six so three years of going up there and it was really going into the details of dance so or of ballet specifically like you know the tracking of the foot and these little exercises that you do now um and it's sort of I think a lot of people don't really have the patience to do it, but at the time it was, that was what we spent sort of two and a half hours doing and really looking at the tracking of the arms and what the journey of the arms means. And I loved all of that at the time. And I also had um, magazines. I was thinking about this this week. I think they were called Magic of Ballet and just loads of ballet things in it, you know, ballet things that you could knit and crochet and draw. And there was also a diary entry from a girl who was at White Lodge. And I think that's what, also really um, piqued my interest because I was reading about this girl who's doing ballet all day, every day. And I liked the idea of it. Somehow I wasn't put off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then I went into full-time training. Wow. Something amazing about that when people, you said like two and a half hours worth of like detail work. 
the assumption is that kids aren't going to pay attention for that long, right? Mm. But but evidence is contrary. Right? Like when it's when it, like that's not what happens. Like I'm, I'm sure there was the odd one or two that was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm bored. But yeah. like so many people go through that, maybe not to that level, mm. but go through that thing and, and enjoy it for really, really long periods of time. What an amazing experience at that age. So then you yeah. went, okay, let's go to Elmhurst. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Uh, took, <laughs> took the plunge and just went. And I don't actually think I ever fully thought about what it would mean moving away from home. It just was the logical thing to do. And also because all the other people who were doing JAs, they were also going off to similar schools. And so I, I think I applied for about a total of 10 schools because it was the local grammar schools and other ones around as my sort of backups if I didn't get into a dance school and then three dance schools. Um, but it just, uh, I completely forgot what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> happens to me all the time. <laughs> you were applying to 10 schools and then you ended up going there. Yeah, but, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that? though, right? Like you go, what, did you choose that one or was oh, it, that see, was the only one you got in? Uh, no, I, so I applied for Tring, Royal and Elmhurst. I cried when I didn't get into Royal <laughs> because that was, you know, I was part of the associates there, but uh, at the end, in the end I was glad I didn't go there. Um, but yeah, I think Elmhurst, it offered ballet, which is what I was interested in at the start. I didn't really consider any other styles of dance. I did tap and modern, um, good old ISTD. Yes, ISTD. <laughs> and um, I still remember the isolations from grade yes. five or something. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, uh, ballet was really what I wanted to do. And then later down the line, I decided to um, move into other things. And I realised that I enjoyed other styles of dance, contemporary. We did flamenco for two years when I was in year 10 and 11. Oh, wow. And that was game changing for me. I really, really loved it. And it was totally different from ballet, obviously. So yeah, it just opened my eyes, even within the ballet sphere. Um, I was really grateful for having those other styles of dance so that I could explore other things. So in that world where from, you know, really the age of 11 through to, you know, being an adult, your focus is is pretty, even though Wellington, you said, wasn't a, you did more performing at Wellington rather than like training in the same way. Your, mm. your focus has always kind of been performing. What's that life really like? Like is how much focus is there on other things in your life at that time? In uh, vocational ballet school. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely well, that. <laughs> um, it's every time I look back on it, as I get older, I think more and more about how I'm, I, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> and I went through that because it is very focused on um, ballet and you do other schoolwork. So I did my GCSEs and my mum, you know, being a teacher, especially, she was very keen that I did do that um, and focus on that and make sure I had other options for myself. And, you know, I ended up going to an academic school for sixth form. So it was a good thing that I did focus on that. Um, but I started playing piano in year 11 and I'd done violin prior to that. So I knew how to read music and piano was just something else I was interested in. And in my first year, I improved so much. I learned, you know, I, I went through grade one and everything, but there were other people who started at the same time as me and they still were at the end of the year and couldn't really play much more than they started with. So somehow I found the time to apply myself to something else. Um, and I was always quite academic and I think I was probably on like school council for <laughs> various years. Um, I was always trying to find other ways to keep myself busy and I've always had a lot of interest. So I think it was just naturally me being a curious person, wanting to do other things. It's what helped me to keep things going alongside. But 
a boarding school is naturally a bubble and it was a very small school and you, you know, you only left on the weekends. I went home once every three weeks. So I wasn't really seeing much of the outside world. Um, but I was fine with it. <laughs> I, I enjoyed, I mean, it, it did have its challenges and, you know, in terms of confidence and looking at yourself in a mirror every day, standing in a leotard and tights mm. next to other, you know, 20 other girls in leotard and tights. It's not necessarily the healthiest environment, but somehow I made it out the other side and, you know, it wasn't easy. And I've, again, thought back and processed things through the years, but I, yeah, I, I think just having other interests made me find other ways to keep, keep things going and not just yeah. be inside mm. that ballet mindset the whole time. It can help you not focus so much on that in a, in a positive way, right? Like the, each note doesn't become a criticism because it's not your mm. entire being. You have all of this other stuff that you can just objectively take a note, hopefully. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, it's interesting you say that because that's something I've come to uh, realize more recently is that um, I think I've survived a bit through <laughs> this sort of, I've been dancing for 20 years, which is crazy, but you know, <laughs> vocationally from, for about 12 years now. Um, and I've managed to come through that because I've always had something else rooting me and keeping me grounded and not just putting my entire being into mm. dance, as you say, because when you get to that point, it's very dangerous. And there used to be these um, jokes, you know, live, breathe, dance, <laughs> yeah. and that it has to be your whole life. And, you know, you do have to make sacrifices and it does become a lot of, you have to adapt your lifestyle to it. You have to be an active person and you have to, you know, do certain things. But the minute that it becomes everything you are and you put all of your value into that, it's not sustainable because, you know, the industry itself will not favour you. And, you know, it comes, the freelance life especially comes in massive peaks and troughs. So being able to ground yourself in something that's outside of dance is, yeah, that's been super important for me, I think. Do you find, like, I think it makes your performance better as well. You have more reference and more life experience and more to put in to whatever mm. story you're telling too. Yeah, you're like, absolutely. I'm not just focusing on the technical aspect of this dance or whatever it might mm. be. You're going, I can empathise with this character more because I'm living my life too. Mm. Yes, exactly. Right? And I think, I don't know very much about dance, so, <laughs> so forgive me. Um, no, but uh, so it's from the outside. One <laughs> right. of the things I wanted to ask you actually about mm -hmm. that time period, because I'm really intrigued by, uh, there's this old idea of ballet dancers that they survived off cigarettes and, and very little <laughs> else, right? Back in, and that's, from what we can tell, true, from not that long ago. <laughs> and to be at a boarding school with that focus at that time where they're in, mm. I'm assuming, in control of what you eat, or at least they provide it. I think I might skirt around this. Okay, so that's, that's, <laughs> that's part okay. of the thing. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that, that topic is one that, in general, well, for that reason, right, we'll, we'll absolutely skirt around that. Yeah. And, like, it, it, to me, that whole thing of, like dance and image around that is like really kind of messed up in that place. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, we'll skip around that, no problem. <laughs> so what happened after that then? We finish, and actually I wanted to jump back. You said that your mum was a teacher. Mm -hmm. What does she teach? She teaches business and for a bit she taught econ as well. Oh my God, that's yeah. excellent. And I actually took business as an A-level, not because of her, just because I did econ GCSE and I loved it. And I thought I want to do more of that, but less of the like maths and the graphs. Right. So rather than econ A level, I'll do business. And that was my least favourite. <laughs> what, what is econ? Uh, sorry, economics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was like. Sorry, the lingo. So you then went to do business as well? 
Uh, I did uh, business A level, yeah, but it was my least favourite because I didn't like the exams. The content was all right, but I preferred learning about the sort of the over. Um, what do you call it? Sort of everything about businesses that it's affected by, like the external influences of business. So, like right. we learned about interest rates and um, oh, what's it called? <laughs> Uh, inflation that's the one how could I forget that (laughs) (laughs) and those sort of things that I think we should just be taught in school anyway because Mm. it's really important to just understanding how money works and how the economy works um and businesses I thought on that might be helpful later down the line if I want to learn about business but I think I should have just stuck with econ to be honest it's still a great (laughs) subject I just didn't like the way it was examined (laughs) fair I really love when like the only thing we were taught about inflation in school was like the wall street crash and in Germany when they were like, oh, prior to World War II and they're like carrying enough, you know, banknotes down the street in a wheelbarrow. And you're right. like, well, and the inflation cigarettes must be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Like, and then you go, what is money? Yes. Like, oh, it's a terrifying question. Yeah. Let's not think too hard about that. <laughs> it really me- messes you up. <laughs> what is money? Um, you know, we ask a kid, it's really funny. You're like, so what is money? And they're like, it's this, it's this thing. You're like, yeah, but what, what is it? <laughs> it's basically a fancy IOU, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Somebody's written on a piece of paper, this is worth this much. The paper isn't worth anything. No. Yeah. But because we all collectively believe it is, yeah. we can all coexist. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'd love to say peacefully, but... <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. I wonder if everybody had the same money. Would that help? No, no. <laughs> I think they're trying to do something with like a common currency in South America. Oh, is really? it South America? I think. I think you're right. I think I've read. I'm something not sure about how this, successful that will be. But well, across all South American countries, or any that so. want to get involved, a bit like they did oh. with the euro. Is that what you mean? I think so. I think there was so talk of trying to do that, but I don't know how successful that will be, or why that is a wow. a goal. <laughs> yeah, stronger economic power globally. I suppose so. The currency Maybe. has more weight. That's why they did the Euro. I have no idea. <laughs> so, sorry. You know what we said about that's tangents? <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah, we get into economics and I'm like, I'm out. I, I know nothing. Yeah, I know very little. Like, to, to like, I had to ask what econ was. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, so at least I got that on you. So we know, we know where we're standing on it. Um, I'm trying to think of the book. I think it's Sapiens where he, he talks about money. Oh, I really want, no, I haven't. I really want to read it though. It it's, sounds very interesting. It's so good. He's actually really released a couple of things now. <laughs> like you well know no, Harari. And he's the one that come like that rubbishness of a thought that I had about, you know, the IOU of a piece of paper. Mm. He explains that concept a lot. Oh, uh, okay. More, more. Uh, <laughs> eloquently. <laughs> Not that that yeah. wasn't eloquent. <laughs> exactly but, that. Exactly that. That's the word we're looking for. Um, so, um, I'm quite interested in how, how you ended up going to Wellington. So you've, you've spent all this time yes. doing something so specific, going, I'm going to devote my life to ballet. And mm. then you go to essentially like a, just a normal school. Yeah, complete. For sixth form. So, U-turn. Yeah, what, what happened there? Yes. Um, well, normal with quotation marks because yeah. <laughs> very far from normal, but coming from a ballet school, it yes. was very normal. Yeah, comparatively. Um, yes, it was, I basically, all through growing up, I had like crises every year probably. Do I want to do this anymore? I don't know if this is what I want. And um, there was a point in year eight, actually quite early on, where I thought I'm going to leave, I'm going to go into acting. Um, and I had this moment again when it was time to, you know, look for other schools and I knew that ballet wasn't really the journey I was going to go down. I always had dance in mind, but staying at Elmhurst 
and sticking with a completely ballet route wasn't really I think the right option for me at the time so I looked at other schools and I actually had my mindset on another dance school and I was so adamant I went to the open day I was like this is the place for me I'm definitely gonna go here um and eventually something shifted and my mum being the prepared woman she is, she is the only reason that I've gone to all these different places because she does her research like no one I've ever seen before. <laughs> she knows every option that is out there. And she came home with a wad of <laughs> prospectuses for various different schools. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to these schools. This isn't what I want to do. I want to dance. Um, and she she didn't force me, but she was very encouraging. That I opened my options and I knew that I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I said, okay, I'll go for it and I'll apply for this school, Wellington. Um, I went to the open day and I was completely blown away by the place, but I still was thinking, oh, I probably won't go here because I'm going to dance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and eventually I got into the school um, on a dance scholarship. So it was always, you know, they knew that dance was very much my focus, but um, I was going to get A-levels and I had considered going to Rombert at 16, but again, you know, that's going straight into degree level there so it's kind of skipping a stage and I'm so glad that I went there and yeah that was basically it I wasn't sure what to do um something shifted in what I wanted and they were willing to support me focusing on dance and that was kind of a condition of me going there was Mm. that you kind of contribute something to the dance um scene at the school and I did a level dance um so yeah it was a, a bit random but also um, it definitely the right step and they even to this day have continued to support me they've been a really um, I think valuable tangent in my in my sort of education in a way because yeah. um, yeah. it's totally unexpected and I went straight back into Rombert into a dance school but I gained a lot from there and you know I started exploring music a bit there I learned a lot about the way that I study and they were quite um, they encouraged independent study a lot which I think has helped me to just take things into my own hands a bit with anything that I want to learn. So yeah, it was a, it was a great sidestep <laughs> um, that I'm glad I took, but I'm also glad I came back into dance. That's so amazing. Uh, one thing you mentioned, like the way that you learn, I feel like when I was at school, the, that sort of idea was just about like people started talking about the idea that people learn mm. in different ways, mm. but it wasn't really applied. Whereas it's, it's interesting what, you know, that there are different tactics. Now we know as teachers that you're like, oh, I need to communicate this because they're this type of learner, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, is was that where you sort of first experienced that or are you, are you talking about something entirely different to what I am? I think um, in some ways, yes, they had a this sort of method called Harkness, which is um, it uses a lot of the students' input. So it's not just a teacher talking at you, but you mm. actually have some conversation in the classroom. Um, but I think it was more about, uh, it was the independent part, I think, and just taking things into your own hands and, um, not expecting to sort of just learn the syllabus, but actually learning around the subject, um, which I think is something that isn't encouraged enough in schools. It's learn for the sake (laughs) of learning, remember the facts, you know, 1066 or whatever, and then it goes out your mind. But, um, you know, there are different things. I think I mentioned to you before that (laughs) I totally relate in the fact that, there's too much to learn in life and it's so overwhelming, but actually knowing where to start. And, you know, I've realized I'm quite a visual learner. So videos really work for me and like people sort of showing me things on a piece of paper or writing things or drawing things that really helps me. Um, and so when I want to learn about stuff myself, that really helps. But I think it was also just, yeah, it was a totally different approach to learning and people actually enjoyed 
learning about things, which is, I think, rare in schools sometimes. You know, people sort of complain about learning stuff and doing work, but actually people seemed to enjoy it in some ways, which was refreshing. Yeah, I think there's something about learning, right? It doesn't feel like work, or it shouldn't feel like work, in my opinion, when it's, whereas when there's these like looming tests and a school goes, mm. oh, well, our rating is going to go down if our students mm. don't get this many Bs at GCSE, whatever it is, and you're like, it does become just this like, these are the, don't worry about understanding it, just be able to replicate this information in, in correctly. You know, like mm. actually learning stuff is one of the best things there is in life, right? Yeah. You know, like, there's this new, how awesome is this? And there's yeah. this new thing. I know like Luke Cartwright, <laughs> who, <Yeah. laughs> your friend, um, uh, we speak about it all the time. And he was telling me that you were, uh, I've spoken to Bobby loads about this, about how Luke is constantly like, ah, oh, let's learn something new. Yes, and, and, right, we're, yeah. and we're always messaging each other that. And he was like, well, as a saying, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the fun, right? And mm. pas- partly that's what performance can give us too, right? That you can go, let's, let's learn something as we do this. So like, why do people perform? I think is an interesting question. Do you think that, is an element of it for you as well. Goodness, you've just said so many things that have put so many different tangents into my mind so I need to <laughs> decide which one to go down. Um, but I think, yeah, learning for the sake of regurgitating information or, say, you know, learning choreography to then perform it, I think that is a very superficial way of doing things and where you can make it easier for yourself and get more enjoyment out of it, but also enriches your performance, learning experience, whatever it is, is when I think you find the curiosity behind it and you find the why and you go, oh yeah, I actually, um, I find joy from this or I want to learn about this because it will help me in this way. You know, I was thinking about science. I did pretty well in A-level science, but I understood nothing. Mm. I could not have told you about any of the concepts Mm. because I didn't understand it because I was literally just reading off a page. And more recently I've been getting into trying to understand a bit more about nutrition because, you know, as a performer, you have to be able to fuel yourself. And I'm really tired of going, I don't understand if this is good for me or not. (laughs) Because it's like avocados, they're good, but they're bad, but it's fat, but it's healthy. But, you know, and so I'm trying to get to a point where I can understand a bit of the science behind it so I can make my own decisions and rather than this overload of information saying it's good, it's bad. And I think it's the same with dance. When it becomes your job, you can get very, uh, it's not just the dancing that's the job anymore. It's the finding the job, it's the auditioning, it's, you know, staying fit around that and going back to why you enjoy it and understanding that it won't always be easy, but there's a reason that you do it. I think that it's like keeping the curiosity alive and finding Mm. those little sparks of joy that make you want to carry on. And I actually started um, this year learning salsa because my mum used to do it when she was, um, when she first moved to London, she used to go to salsa bar in London. Yes. And um, it's pretty, but she's amazing. And I, you know, I didn't get my ballet (laughs) from her, but she just knows how to, you know, follow and stuff. And um, when I turned 18, I went with her, which was really fun. And then it got to a point where I thought, I actually really want to learn salsa and I want to properly learn. I want to understand, you know, there is a technique, it's a social dance, but there are, as a follower, there are signals that you have to be able to read in order to be able to dance together. And I went to classes at the start of this year and I thought, (laughs) I've never felt like such a beginner in something I felt like I was such an expert at, you know, yeah, I just thought yeah. dance, oh, this will be easy for me to pick up. But actually 
it was learning a new skill and being able to go to square one again with something is really exciting and it can be daunting. But when you get over that and you, you know, I think learning salsa has helped me with the other, other, uh, other styles of dance that I do, like with partnering, it's learning to feel, feel the movement with your partner and follow them or, you know, feel the uh, signals that they're giving you. So um, I think everything that you do around it can be helpful and can, continue to help you improve or you know develop your skills in what you do um if you if you let it and if you don't just treat it as something isolated like oh I must learn science because it's on the syllabus or I'm going to learn salsa which is different to contemporary it all helps you know it's so tricky isn't it because we're in school and you're sort of because you have to learn you have to take these topics for so long but it does feel like oh I don't have a choice I don't might not feel like learning about science today but I have to Mm. And then as an adult, you go, oh, I want to learn those yes. things. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, my God, give me the information. Yeah. I, want to, I would love to geek out with you about the nutrition stuff and how you're doing that. But uh, when we're off, off air, I'll, I'll tell you the sure. course that um, actually Bobby <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, please, yeah. And it's so good because it's Great. got like three, at least three ways of learning all the information at every point. Oh, wow. In like Amazing. video reading or audio, like a whole, a whole yeah. bunch of stuff. Mm. And There's loads of visual stuff on that, which is it's fantastic. brilliant. Oh, uh, it's fantastic! Like of the one of the best courses I've mm. purchased for for how they teach you the information, and it's oh, not amazing. like you have to do any of those things. And then there's a whole bunch of optional like learning around it, which again, when, now when I'm trying to teach people, I'm like, do this. You go here's the things you absolutely need to know, and it's up to you. But there's all this stuff too, which will deepen your understanding and and actually you'll grasp a concept. And I'm mm. like, yes. So I'll remind me at the end of the <laughs> yes, what to do. <laughs> <laughs> But then jumping back then from from here, what happened after that in your life? <laughs> Goodness, we're still, still all the way back there, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, so after that, I went to Romba. So Romba is 50-50 ballet and contemporary. And again, auditioned for a few different schools. I panic auditioned for an MT school because I thought, <laughs> I've been at academic school for two years. They're not going to want me. I won't be able to dance anymore. Um, and so I also auditioned for performers. And that I think was the start of opening up more in the dance world for me. So previously it had been ballet, contemporary, bit of, you know, flamenco and jazz and then tap <laughs> on the side, but it wasn't really the focus. Um, and slight tangent, but I was interested in MT, but in the end I decided to stick with um, ballet and contemporary and going there, it was definitely the right decision. It's a really, um, different school in the sense that I think some of the other contemporary schools they have almost like electives or you can choose different modules at different times but at Romba everyone does everything and you're in you know nine till six every day and then if you've got student showcases coming up you're in rehearsals till half eight nine in the evening so it's non-stop and I think I soaked up as much as I could from that which I'm really grateful for you know we did um, Cunningham and Graham techniques which were Cunningham you'll do everywhere and Graham is incredibly strengthening and it's very rare that you'll find it outside of um sort of training institutions but it yeah it really taught me a lot about my body and how much it's capable of and how much I can and um sometimes should push it so yeah the whole experience was very valuable and also from a creative point of view they're very encouraging with um like creating work and um yeah, just finding your own style. I think, you know, there's contemporary, there's ballet, there's tap jazz, and then there's everything in between. And I think the lines are being blurred a lot between dance styles now. So you've got fusions of everything. So, 
losing my voice. Um, <laughs> so you can really start to explore, you know, your own thing and what you enjoy. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, we did ballet solos and contem- contemporary solos every uh, term. So you're getting that performance experience in. And, you know, you won't always do solos when you're out in the world, in the real world. So it's nice to have mm. that opportunity to do that. And it was just within the school, but it was a very supportive um, atmosphere, you know, everyone would like cheer and stamp on the seats, but it was a really nice feeling to be able to do that and have that support um, while you're training because it gets very, uh, the days get very long and in winter mm. you're arriving and leaving in the dark and, you know, tears are shed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it gets very intense and you're with the same group of people doing the same things, having the same problems and you sometimes have to step out and go, it's just dance. <laughs> I'm yeah. just yeah. moving, moving around and um, not get too bogged down by it, but yeah. <laughs> that, I think that's a helpful lesson for the industry anyway, right? Like mm. to, if you experience it there, that you go and you know, the second you join a company, you're like, okay, this is probably going to end up like that did at some point and mm. just need to remember to step away every now and again. Yes. When you're chatting about the Graham technique, that sounded to me like a politician's answer of something that is preposterously difficult. was <laughs> 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 like, It was like beautifully worded and I'm like, what I'm picturing is some like, ridiculous physical (laughs) work because I have no concept. Is that kind of the case? It's just Um, really hard. It's basically you, you can't do it half heartedly. So you have to put in the energy to get anything out of it. Mm. I think some other dance styles, you can go through the motions and you'll build things like coordination and maybe balance and, you know, those sort of things that people who aren't dancers will gain from doing a bit of dance. But Graham is very, much about uh it's it's a lot about um contractions you've got a lot of contractions there which has to have muscle Mm -hmm. behind it um and the movements are relatively simple you know you stand there and the plie exercise i'm pretty sure it was about 10 minutes long (laughs) (laughs) and it was so sort of excruciatingly slow but you could you know i could take bob off the street and he could do that because it's quite simple but if you don't have the muscularity then it's sort of redundant. So it's, yeah, um, yeah, you know, Martha Graham's company, I think it still exists, but outside of that, it's not really performed or used in that context. But as a training tool, it's really, really valuable. So how does one, uh, in that context, how does one gain the muscularity to do that if they don't already have it? Is it just by practicing that exact technique or is there something else one would need to do? Yeah, mostly. I think, you know, the general fitness and dance training in general helps, but with that specific way of moving, I think it's really just doing it. And we used to do it, I think, twice a week in first and second year, maybe. And I mean, I finished my training, COVID came halfway through. So that was uh, um, another thing to contend with. But yeah, I think it's just the repetitiveness of, like with any dance style, it's just doing it again and again. Yeah. How does one continue training in ballet when you're at home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's o- that working? Over Zoom. Well, I will say it was a bit um, <laughs> sad to sometimes look and see people in somehow in studios or with massive living rooms mm. and spaces. You know, my house is, it's a great house, but each room is very small. So I couldn't lie in a starfish on my living room floor. That was, or I could, but that was the limit of it. And my foot was going between like the TV stand (laughs) and the table. And, you know, I didn't have the space. Um, And so I managed to find, you know, I took the chair 
into the living room and I had my corners where my legs would go. So I had to be at a very specific angle. <laughs> Otherwise I'm kicking the sofa or something else. Um, so I, I found my ways around it, but like the floor work classes, it got to a point where I just, I wouldn't join them because I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. literally sit on the floor, roll to the side and go, okay, there's the wall. Then I'm out. Yeah. yeah but I, I did, um, it was very, very tough for motivation um, but I did continue as much as I could online and, you know, we slowly got back, went back online again, <laughs> came back yeah. again. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I'm glad I pushed through that time because training is basically the only time that you get to do everything yeah. and just focus on dance. You know, now yeah. I'm a dancer, but I have other things to think. I have adult things to think about. How do I fuel yeah. myself multiple times a day and not get bored of what I'm eating? Yeah, but as a kid, you'd never realise how much work goes into just <laughs> keeping yourself alive, right? You're like, oh my I take God, so much for granted. You? Yeah, and so you don't like fester in your <laughs> bed. You're like, oh, I need to continuously permanently be washing something oh my god myself Honestly. my <laughs> clothes my house the house like, yeah. yeah always something just relentless relentlessly buying things in order to fuel this that's too. why I love tour because you have less to wash yes less to wash <laughs> you just make a bit of pasta and then you just wash that pot and the rest goes in like plastic pots and if it's weekly yeah. you don't have to hoover the room because someone exactly. else true. yeah very and true just leave. yeah and that's great. You like to see Probably don't even have to wash the bedding if you're there for five no, days. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't have to change hand towels. All of this is. <laughs> oh, this is dreamy. Let's what? all go on tour. Let's go on tour again. <laughs> oh my God. I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> oh my God. What are we doing? This conversation opened my eyes. Now I'm like, I'm, I'm more pro tour again. Just yeah. find a way to tour yeah. Yeah. constantly. Don't care what it is. <laughs> I'm going to buy a caravan. <laughs> Then I still have to wash. Stuff. I think you'd have more washing. That actually yeah, doesn't help the problem at all, does it? Like. Toilet, if you've got a caravan as well, oh, you've got to get rid of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. no, no thanks. That's more work. Yeah, I take that back. I'd love to do it, but maybe not in the UK, somewhere warm. Yeah. <laughs> God, it would be miserable doing that in the UK. <laughs> in America, it looks amazing because they have those like, massive motorhomes, right? Yeah. yeah. They look, I'm like, that, I'm all in for that. Absolutely. But you couldn't turn a corner in the UK in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I did read, a, I read an article the other day about one that got stuck. Turning down, a corner? Down, yeah, turning a corner. Fantastic. Down, down in Cornwall, just a stuck motorhome. Done. Not I mean, I'm, Never getting that back out. I'm there for that. It's just there permanently now. <laughs> and they live there. Yeah. So no, it's their home. It's an artwork feature. Yeah, I kind of... I'm kind of up for it. Um, but yes, so sorry, that was that was a mega tangent. Yep. I'd have to keep going down that one. What else is annoying about being an adult? Like, like you, you end up in this place where you've got loads of loads of extra things to, to go and dance isn't your, mm. as we've said before, dance isn't 100% of our lives anymore. Huh. Our lives, me. <laughs> I was going to say earlier, actually, you mentioned about like, you don't often get to do solos then when you're out in your career. And I'm like, I only do shows that I am allowed to do a dance solo in. It's which, true. Which uh, is why I'm unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you why love, you love a dance solo. Uh, I, I don't think I've, other than in Panto, I don't think I've ever had to do one. You've led, you've led a dance. I've seen you lead a dance. Not well. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> At the front of a... Hey, no shouts from you. <laughs> no, do let me know when it's happening. I'd love to see it. And the worst thing about that is it was on the Palladium stage, which yeah, is yeah, embarrassing you were the, for the Palladium. You were the front of that wow. triangle. <laughs> That's a flex. I got it right yeah, sometimes. Flex, yeah. <laughs> sometimes. That's all I'll say. Hey, there's photos of it. 
It's true. The photos are better than the video. <laughs> <laughs> so you go around there, you go through this like crazy madness there. And at what point did your first job come around? So I was very fortunate. It was the year after COVID. So I only graduated two years ago, which is crazy. It feels like a lifetime ago. But it was the year after um, the sort of COVID summer. And it was very sort of, you know, we were all like, what are we going to do? Then? <laughs> I don't really think there are any jobs to go to. So what's going to happen? And actually a lot of my year were really, it was a really talented year and a lot of them got jobs. And it was coming towards the end of the year. And I was offered an apprenticeship with um, a certain company, but there's a scheme where you have to pay to be an apprentice. You get a master's, which is, I think, how it sort of... <laughs> they, get, they get away <laughs> with it, is the phrase I'm going to use. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I wasn't really sure how I felt about paying to be in a company and dance with dancers where they were being paid. Yeah. Mm. Um, when I'd already been paying for training for about 10 years, I say I... Someone had been paying <laughs> yes, for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd also spent a lot of time training and I also wasn't really sure if a master's in dance is what I wanted. Um, I have considered doing a master's in the future at some point in something academic, mm, but yeah. I sort of wanted to take a break from the education, the full-time education thing there. And, you know, I would have been with a company, but it sort of didn't feel right. And I eventually decided, okay, I'm not going to do it. And I hadn't sent the email declining the place, but I decided, and then had an um, audition for new adventures come up. Um, it was branded as an audition workshop, <laughs> uh, but you know, you obviously always go and you do your best. And um, I sort of sensed that something maybe would come out of it in terms of building a relationship with the company. And I was going to go and email on the Monday and say, how can I get an audition or, you know, keep um, <clears throat> some sort of relationship going. Mm. And I got offered <laughs> a job <laughs> um, wow. on the day. Yeah. So, uh, well, a bit later in the day. Um, but yes, it was an offer for Nutcracker, a UK tour. I, it was literally midnight and I was, I went, mommy, mommy, mommy. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> screaming from the other room. And um she said, what, what, what? And I couldn't get it out. So I was trying to read the message. Um, and yeah, I got offered that. And then also Carman, which was performed at the Royal Albert Hall that next summer. Yeah. And suddenly my whole reality shifted. It was like, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep dancing? Are there any jobs to be had? And um, I think that's what's amazing about the freelance world is that your world can change very quickly mm. or it can be very stagnant for a while. You know, I've had that period as well. Um, but suddenly it was like, wow, okay, I'm sorted for the next year. Yeah. Um, and it was a dream company of mine. Yeah. It was, I remember having multiple conversations with one of my friends from Rombert saying, you know, I don't really know what I want to do. I want to do a bit of this, a bit of that. And, you know, new adventures is kind of in that, um, that niche space, I think between things mm. that I'd like to do, but I, you know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket and say, I'm just going to yeah. go there. So it's like, well, what else do I want to do? And then I got that job. So that really, it, yeah, it was amazing. And as a first job uh, in the middle of, well, back end of COVID, it was, yeah, a real blessing to have had that coming out of training. I mean, when you write in famous ballets into Google, it's got <laughs> to be Swan Lake and Nutcracker, yeah. right? Like, so, you know, having just finished your training, you're like, Oh, then I'm taking off one of the biggest ever. Yeah. Like sure, unless I'm forgetting something. But for me, definitely like th those two. Right? Yeah, and it's iconic. Yeah. And then Carman, which was a massive sensation, right? It, like absolutely transcended, I think, what people even 
maybe expected it to be. Mm. Yeah, so, I think because of the venue, it, yeah. yeah, there was so much, to, so much was possible, and the I think the cast was about double the size that it usually is. We had maybe thirty five on stage at one wow. time, and the only the principals rotated, and then the rest of the ensemble were on every night. So it was pretty epic. Um, yeah, but yeah, doing you know going from not knowing what I was going to end up doing, then going on a UK tour and then performing in the Royal Albert Hall in my first year of graduating. <laughs> it was quite surreal. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one thing I was really grateful I had in the back of my mind from the start is that this doesn't mean you're set for life. And this doesn't, you know, you have to stay humble because although I'm, I was dancing with the company, I was still a freelancer and I knew that that contract would come to an end at some point and the next one wasn't guaranteed. So having your sort of feet on the ground a little bit was important so that you don't get swept away and, you know, but you know, tour life is very um, <laughs> weird as well. Yeah. It's not a normal yeah. way of living and it's quite glamorous in a way, you know, you eat out a lot sometimes because you literally have nowhere to cook and yeah. you are in a different city every week you wake up and sometimes you do forget where you are. But um, yeah, I was grateful that I had, you know, I managed to, keep in touch with some friends from home as well. So I'd see them and, you know, remember what life as a normal person was like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but it was amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so easy to get swept up. I think with a tour, mm. like you, like you said before about kind of things being a bubble, like tour is such a bubble. Absolutely. And if you can maintain that, like you said, maintain that link to kind of your friends at home, your family at home. Real life. I think it's so important. And I think it's something that not a lot of people do. I think quite often people get swept up by the, the, the craziness of a tour and that's when things get messy and get yes. chaotic. <laughs> so yeah, so I think it's such a great thing that you've managed to do, managed to be able to like keep that link the whole time. Mm. Yeah. Now with that in mind, when you're on tour mm. with a company like doing a show like that, how do you keep your instrument like working at its best? Ooh. <laughs> because you don't just have a casual studio space you can use to run drills, I'm assuming, unless you ask very nicely or is that no. what you do or like how do you um, manage it? It's, to be honest, it's something I'm still figuring out. So I unfortunately was injured in my first tour and it was uh, something I'd never had an issue with, which is my ankle. And I ended up having about two months out and I had to have an injection. And that for me, you know, I also have a labral tear in my hip and I've had that since I was, I've had hip pain since I was about 14. I found out what it was when I was 16 and I've been living with it since. And there was always talk of maybe you need an injection. Maybe you'll need to get surgery at some point. And I've managed to, through conditioning my body and through training it in a way that will support it, I managed to not have to do that mm. and not have to go down that route. But the ankle thing was something else. I've never really had any ankle issues. So it was a bit of a shock and my first contract. Um, but I think you know, you. I think the repetitive nature of doing a show every night, not just on tour, you know, all the West End shows, um, but I think because we're a dance company, it's very dance heavy. You know, there was in the second act, I was wearing heels and you have lots of different footwear, you're doing different types of movement. It can sometimes, things happen. And um, it wasn't just me that had injuries. Everyone mm. um, or most people get them at some point or another, but I think it's doing everything you can to prevent them. Um, and even now, you know, I'm, on tour at the moment we're in London which is nice because I'm staying at home but I've had you know things flaring up again and it's it's really difficult to keep on top of it because at the moment we're doing six shows a week you know you get home I think on Friday night and then we have a matinee on Saturday which means that we're in at 11 <clears throat> on Saturday morning and you get home at nearly 
you know, gone 10 at night and then you're back in again on Sunday morning. So there's no time at home. <laughs> uh, you literally get home, tap the bed, yeah. get, get out again. Um, and then you've got the in-between times where, you know, in your lunch break, it's a lunch break, but then you're doing your hair and you're doing your makeup and then you have to warm up. Mm. So it is really difficult to fit in the um, sort of conditioning and supporting your body through that. But I'm trying to find ways um, and, you know, testing out what works for me, if it's in the morning, if it's, uh, you know, we fortunately, the company gives us shows off sometimes. Um, so sometimes you use your shows off to do that. But yeah, it's um, it's difficult to keep on top of it all, but it, it's important because otherwise you can't keep going. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> we've both both had pretty horrific injuries in yep, shows right. and stuff. And, and we've spoken a lot about how difficult they are to deal with, I think. Uh, are you comfortable chatting about that? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But, yeah, maybe not. I, because, and in which case, but, absolutely fine. Because yeah. I think it's so, we're conditioned to think that the job is everything, even though everything we've just said is opposite of going, we need to have yeah. this other stuff. That the second you're injured, part of you starts to feel guilty. And, and you're mm. like, even though it's not your fault, like, yeah. like these things, freak things happen. And you're like, I couldn't have done anything different. And, and uh, yeah, recovering from that mentally, I think takes way longer than the physical mm. outcome, uh, which is why I asked that, that in there. Uh, do you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything about, um, health, wellness, fitness, anything at all that you would like to see get in the bin? Mm, I think probably the focus on aesthetic mm -hmm. uh, coming from ballet, which is very heavily focused on aesthetic. Um, I think that where I've found a more positive relationship with health and wellness is focusing on being healthy <laughs> as opposed to the way that I will look if I eat or do certain things. Um, I think <clears throat> everyone has different body types. And I was at a period where, uh, you know, I was growing up and my body was changing in that time of my life when I was standing in front of a mirror in a leotard every day. And that I don't think was the most positive experience and didn't set up a very positive relationship with um, healthy living and lifestyle and fitness and everything. Um, so I think yeah, I, I would prefer the focus to be on being healthy and whatever that looks like is less important and is secondary to how you actually are. And, you know, people do have different body types. And I think that was something that took me a long time to come to terms with. Um, so, yeah, I think the focus on aesthetics and what the end goal is in that is something I'd like to see. Get in the bin. Just be healthy. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Come straight in the bin. <laughs> it's in. It's gone in. Uh, in that case, do you have any advice to somebody who m might want to enter the same industry as you? Ooh. So many. Again, so many different <laughs> avenues <laughs> I could go down. I think one would be if you're in training, maybe full-time training or um, vocational school even, I think it would be to soak up every single Thing that you can and to get the most out of your training it doesn't mean getting to the point where you're, you're burning out because I, I think I got close to that quite a few times but you know within reason do everything you can to take in that training because those are the years where you will improve the most and where you can focus on yourself the most um once you leave like we said you've got other things to think about adult things <laughs> washing everything <laughs> you still have to think about that when you're in school but a bit less and yeah, so I think it'd be to soak that all in and to stay grounded. Like we said, don't let dance or performing 
become your whole world because it's not, you know, even if you have a wonderful career, at some point it's going to come to an end when your body no longer allows you to do the things that you once did. (laughs) So you have to find um, other hobbies or, you know, I, for me also having friends outside of the dance world is good so that every conversation doesn't (laughs) revolve around performing or dance, you know? Um, Yeah. I think there's, a lot to be said for having a life outside of it. Love that. Done. <laughs> Done. Uh, now, without changing your facial Ooh. expression, <laughs> from that from that new one that you just did, uh, we are going to guess uh, whether you, I'm just going to look at Bobby now, whether you lied <laughs> yes. and uh, what we think it is. Yes. And we're not allowed to guess that, she ha- that you haven't lied. No. So right. even if you haven't, we're still going to have to guess. Yeah. And I'm looking at you because I have nothing. <laughs> I, I, so I know I can't guess this. I don't think she's lied. I, I don't think so either. Um, but let's, okay. I'm going to put right. one in. Are you, okay, you go. I've got one. I think I've got one in the you chamber. Go first. Go, okay. got one in. I don't think, I think this is actually true, but I don't <laughs> think you studied business for your A-level. Hmm. Mm. That's my that's my like right. wild guess. <laughs> yeah, you gonna go with that guess as well? I, I, I can't. I'm not allowed. He's got to go with something different. I'm gonna say that you've never been to Bar Salsa. Oh, oh, that's a rogue one. I like it. Though. I, that's, I that's don't nice. think that's. No, no, I, don't, I, don't, I think that's absolutely true. I'm going to give the disappointing answer and say I forgot to lie. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, we, we, we got we right. <laughs> awesome. It's time. Oh, it's time for another game. So we're going to play a game of this or that. So it's going to be okay. one minute on the clock. It's going to be a lightning round. So Stefan, I'll give you two options. You got to pick one as quick as you can through the lot. All right, here we go. One minute on the clock. Three, two, one, go. Eggs or bacon? Eggs. White bread or brown bread? Brown. The US office or friends? Friends. Cardio or resistance training? Resistance. McDonald's or Burger King? Mackey's. Singing or acting? Singing. Royal Ballet or Rambert? Rambert. Yoga or Pilates? Pilates. Family Guy or Love Island? Mm, Love Island. Domino's Pizza or Papa John's? Domino's. Sport or dance? Dance. Alcohol or chocolate? Chocolate. Matching socks or mismatching socks? Matching. Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Swan Lake or the Nutcracker? Nutcracker. <laughs> Game of Thrones or Glee? Glee. Book or Kindle? Book. Clean shaven or beard? Beard. Personal chef or personal stylist? Personal chef. Guitar or piano? Piano. Sexy body or sexy mind? Mind. Shower or bath? Shower. Bar salsa or any other bar? <laughs> bar salsa. <laughs> Dogs or babies? Uh, babies. Snakes or badgers? Badgers. Theme park or water park? Water. Running or walking? Walking. Tea or coffee? Tea. Bobby or Stefan? Hey! <laughs> 51 seconds! Oh, that's, that's rapid. rapid! That was stressful. It gets intense, doesn't it? We should I have find known it hard. Sorry, it's really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Fruity, fruity. <laughs> fruity. Fruity, fruity. Yeah, I find it hard to pick between, between things, but I think my competitiveness is stronger than my desire yes. to not yeah. pick. It won the day. <laughs> I'm the same. You know, like you put it in this game, and I'm like, I'll give you an answer. It yeah. might not be true. Whatever it is, I'll but just say what I hear. Yeah. I'll say the one I heard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Bella. Thank uh, you. I should know where the microphone is by now, but I missed it then. Yeah. <laughs> well done, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure. Now, we can see you right now, right? You're in London. Yes. Oh, but this will air ages away. Yes, well, we are coming back to London. We're going to Bromley in October, we, I think. I think we're still 
after that. It's hard to know. I think think we're after that. I think we are after that, yes. After that. So, you hopefully, you've already seen that. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, thank you so much for coming to join us. And thank you you at home or wherever you might be for listening. Absolutely. And if you've enjoyed this episode, click those like and subscribe buttons. Find us on Instagram at fit2 underscore talk. As always, if you've got any questions you want answered by us, slip slide into those DMs. I'll be in there doing the salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you again for listening. And if you like what you've heard, we've been fit to talk with our wonderful guest, Gabriele D'Souza, and me, Stefan. And me, Bobby. And if you didn't like it, we've been Joe Wicks. Peace out.